Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. We start by bringing a thought out of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 2. Uh, a thought that Pastor Claude sowed a few weeks ago. It says, In the beginning, good place to begin. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. You know, there's a thought as we've been talking about being created with purpose is how God has invited us to partner with Him to bring light into dark places, to bring order into chaos. And where it says there in the beginning of the Scriptures in verse 2 that the earth was void and formless, what it literally means is that the earth itself was in a state of chaos and desolation. And if you read further into the book of Genesis, you'll see that God's answer for this state of chaos and desolation was to start to bring things into order. He separated night from day. He separated the land from the seas. But He went further by establishing in this place of desolation and disorder, a garden called Eden. Eden literally means paradise. He placed paradise on planet Earth. But I think a significant thought that comes to me is that He placed Eden on earth, but did not create the whole earth as paradise. Like surely this God who can do anything and all things, in the beginning God, could have easily snapped His finger and made the entire planet paradise. But He didn't. He planted a garden called paradise. And in that garden, He placed His highest order of creation. People. And he invited people to partner with him in extending his peace even to the borders of chaos so that this garden would extend in the hope that it would cover the whole earth. Now, I'm convinced that the best way to live life on purpose is to take hold of the fact that each and every one of us have been invited by God to live life in partnership with him that He invites us even now to go into places of chaos and disorder and destruction and bring His light and bring His hope and bring His peace, that even in us, He would want us to live in a state with Him where paradise is something we carry with us because we know Him and experience Him. That no longer is it dependent on the lawn being cut to a perfect level, that instead your state of your heart And your relationship with Jesus means that you are one who carries the grace of God wherever you go. Partnership is what we've been invited to. Partnership is powerful. You know, recently, uh, my family and I, we were blessed abundantly by a gift, a a gift that just keeps on giving. We were given a robotic vacuum. (laughs) Come on. I don't know if you've seen these things. These things are amazing. I am gobsmacked at how amazing this tool is. That just at night time, I can go and press a button and this robot can go buzzing around the house and doing the vacuuming for us. It's amazing at the push of a button. My son is so impressed by it, Liam, that he calls it Jarvis, which was Tony Stark's AI in the Iron Man movies. I don't think it's that good, but it's pretty good. It's nothing better than sitting down and having somebody else do the vacuuming for you, even a robot. But I did notice something the other night that even though I pressed the button, the robotic vacuum called Jarvis 
wasn't very good at picking up the Lego that had been spilled everywhere. Wasn't able to pack the toys away. Wasn't able to grab the cup that was half drunk there or the popper over there or the ice cream that was shoved into the corner. There was only so much Jarvis could do. And then I saw something that was even more amazing that I'd never seen up to that point in my entire life. My wife Rhiannon turned around and she activated our three children to start cleaning as well. So it turns out, I did not know this, that my beautiful wife had been training our three children, Liam 10, Zoe 5, Flynn 3, which is amazing, to clean up after themselves. And it turns out they've been doing this for a while just before I get home from the office. And I didn't realise that they'd been trained so well. That at the point of activation, my three kids started without grumbling. I can't believe it happened. Picking up Lego picking up the stuff shoved in the corner. And they had so much fun doing it that Flynn, the wild one, the three-year-old, in between cleaning up, danced around Jarvis, the robotic vacuum, singing songs to it. (laughs) It was like a scene out of a Disney movie. And so we all got to sit down together in a clean house at 7pm, which normally does not happen, and enjoy an episode of Bluey together. And I tell you what, I loved it because we did it in partnership. And because now that I know, I never have to clean again. (laughs) Life is meant to be lived in partnership. God has called us to partner with Him to bring light into dark places, to take things that are disordered and bring His peace and order to it. It's His original intention for people. It comes out of Genesis chapter 1, verse 2 to, sorry, Genesis chapter 1, 27 to 28, if I can share this with you. Because we're created on purpose, for purpose, with purpose. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I'm convinced that that original intention is still God's heart for us today. The God designed, created you to live a life where you can be empowered to know that you're created on purpose, for purpose, with purpose. And if you allow me, I just wanna unpack how this Scripture, this original intent could relate to us today. First thought there that comes out of verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, God's own words to us today are be fruitful. Be fruitful. We are created to grow, not stagnate. We are created to grow, not stagnate. It says in Psalm 92 verse 12 to 14, the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. I want to be full of sap and green. (laughs) Scripture paints this picture that the way God views us is almost the way that we would view a tree. You think of what makes a tree successful. If a tree can be successful, it's the fact that It digs down deep and searches for the deep waters. 
And the roots allow it to withstand the storms and the pressure that comes, but at the same time, nourish it with nutrients and life. And at the same time, trees, if they wanna continue to grow and flourish, must continually grow leaves and branches so that they reach out and feed on light itself. Now, God views us like that, that as humans, as people, we are created to be fruitful. But to be fruitful, it requires our willingness to dig deep, to dig deep and grab hold of the true sources of life. That if our roots are shallow, we get knocked over so easily by the pressures and the things that come along our way. But instead, God calls you to be somebody who flourishes in life and is fruitful in all things. And the first sword is as a living tree, dig deep. But what do you dig deep into? You gotta dig deep into the things that actually mean something, that that are actually true, that are actually real. And the only real thing in life is Jesus Himself. And that by digging deep, into a relationship with Jesus, doing the things that mean that you bring depth into your life instead of shallowness means that when the storms of life hit and they do hit, you are not knocked over. But at the same time, you're called not just to be deep, you're called to be enlarged and flourish. And so feeding on light, stretching out opportunities to grow and make a difference. You are created to be fruitful and not stagnate. Goes on to say in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You know, there are things that we can do, even as followers of Jesus, that would cause us not to grow up, to not be fruitful. That in fact, much of the New Testament, the letters written in the New Testament were written to encourage people that now that you've tasted that the Lord is good, don't stop there. Much of the letters are written in such a way to protect the grace that God has put in people's hearts, but it's all the onus is on us, that the responsibility is mine, that the fact of whether I'm growing or not growing actually depends on me and not God Himself. That He's made everything available and whether I dig deep or reach out is completely dependent on what decisions I make. My own growth depends on me. It doesn't depend on looking to the left or the right or begging and pleading that somebody else would give me what they've earned or worked for or grown into, that I can look at their example and do likewise. And so it means sometimes auditing ourselves and saying, is there anything in my life that is causing me not to grow? Is there anything that is in my life present right now that is causing me to stagnate? Because it is not the heart of God. You are created to be fruitful, to be a blessing, to be a gift, because God has placed it in you. Be fruitful. The other thought, God says, be fruitful and multiply. We are created to increase and not hold back. To Peter 1, 5 to 8 says this, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. 
and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steady steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For these qualities are yours and are increasing. Can you say that with me? Increasing. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're called to multiply. Mankind was created to multiply. Easily, you could say, multiplying in children and families and extending. But that word multiply simply means to increase, to extend, to to go beyond, to to not just settle, to, to have what we have and keep on pressing in for more. That there's this idea in the Kingdom of God that He is always hoping and expecting us to multiply the goodness that He gives. That it doesn't stop with you. It doesn't end with you. It isn't just you for and no more. It's you and everybody around you and the difference that you can make. That you are called to multiply, that you are called to increase in the goodness of God. Goes on to say in Isaiah chapter 54, two to three, enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. You are called to increase and multiply. Now, I've got to be honest. You're called to increase and multiply the right thing. You're called, just as I am, to increase and multiply the right thing. And I want to say that you are created to multiply And it is possible to multiply the wrong thing, to pass down our own brokenness to those around us, to multiply stuff that God wants to work on in us instead of surrendering it to Him and allowing Him to do the deep work in us so we're transformed and changed by His grace. See, multiplying the wrong thing still makes it the wrong thing. You know, there's there's two meals or dishes that I've made in my entire life that my wife failed to eat because they were disgusting. Number one, I remember watching a Jamie Oliver show where he was doing a Christmas special and he showed in his Jamie Oliver way a fair dinkum, amazing hot chocolate. I don't know if he used the word fair dinkum, I'm just putting that in there. And what he got was he got some, some, some dark chocolate and he melted it down with cream and he boiled it together and he whisked it up and he poured it out and he had chocolate dusting on top. And I thought around Christmas time, I'm gonna do the exact same thing because that looks amazing. Unfortunately for me, I went to Woolworths and bought cooking dark chocolate. (laughs) Unfortunately for me, I bought thickened cream instead of whipping cream. And unfortunately for my wife, she took one sip and spat it out. (laughs) It is literally the sweetest, stodgiest, chocolatey thing ever. And it put me off hot chocolate for a long time. The second thing that I did that was unedible was, I remember I got into a habit of wanting to create curry from scratch. Oh, there are many groans right now. And so I bought a spice blender and I went and I got gallon gal, which is like ginger, but not, and garlic and cardamom and turmeric, so much flipping turmeric. And I blended that baby up and I seared it on the pan and I put meat and I put coconut cream and I put everything in there and I went to taste it and it was the foulest thing I've ever eaten. 
And you know what my answer was? Just keep on putting sugar and turmeric in. Sugar and turmeric, sugar and turmeric. And I made a decision that I was not going to taste it again until my wife tasted it. And I went to sit down and I remember picking up that plate from her and throwing it in the bin, on the plate. And we went out for takeaway. Sometimes increasing the wrong thing doesn't make anything right. What are you multiplying? And if you allow me to submit this as a loving challenge, today if you are a parent, if you are an uncle, if you are an auntie, if you're a grandparent, what are we multiplying in the life of our children today? Do you know that I am more convinced than ever before that the role of a parent, an uncle, an auntie, a grandparent in the Kingdom of God is to help disciple children? I love and appreciate our kids' church. I think our kids' church is amazing. Week in, week out, our children are learning the Scriptures. But to come home and see it modelled, to come home and see us, even in the pressure and the pain that we experience, live life real with a genuine desire to surrender to God. It does not mean that any single person must be perfect because the good news is that He's perfect and as you follow Him, you allow His perfection to work in you. But it does mean that we fess up, that we own up, that we take responsibility, that we don't hide things and that we allow our children to see us journey with Jesus. Because if they can see us journey with Jesus through disappointment, discouragement and despair, it is so much more likely that they will as well. If you're an uncle today, can I challenge you, an auntie, do you know how powerful your influence is in the lives of your nieces and nephews, whether they're by blood or by love? That you can come in and support families by being that big brother or big sister that those children desperately need. I'm desperately crying out, we must disciple our children. Discipleship simply means to form and to shape. What are we multiplying if we don't multiply the love of God? Because if they take hold of it, the church continues to grow. Then we are always one generation for being not relevant and unengaged with the world around us. I honour every single member here in person and online who volunteers and serves in our kids' church. But I ask that we would take the responsibility to step up and say that our homes are places where people are shaped to follow Jesus. What are you multiplying? Because you are called to multiply. It's in your creation intention. So order, what is it that we multiply? Be fruitful. You're created to grow, not stagnate. Multiply, you're created to increase and not hold back. Next, God said, fill the earth. You are created to extend, so don't settle. Let me submit that to you again. You are created to extend, so don't settle. Psalm 72, 18 to 19 says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be His glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with His glory. Amen and amen. Hebrews 10, 39 but we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. The original people were given this mandate to take Eden and spread it, to take what they had been given 
and go into places where it was not evident and fill the earth with it. In the same way that God's original intent is still with us today, that each and every one of us are called to go into our spaces, our occupation, our homes, our environments, and fill those spaces with what God has given us to plant. You know, if you allow me, I want to submit for all those involved in marketplace roles. I'm so burdened that in this season, I know in this season, especially here in Western Australia, where we seem to be enjoying every freedom available except for being able to go abroad. And I'm mindful that cities like Melbourne, it's, I'm currently talking today, celebrated, unfortunately, the longest lockdown period of any city in the world that is bred for us, even here in this state of freedom that we have, but because of our access to social media and the news around us, an atmosphere and an environment of apprehension and hesitation. It's amazing that we would even experience that here in our state of freedom, but it's because our heart goes out and we can't escape the atmosphere that's prevalent elsewhere. And I wanna submit to you, do not accept apprehension, fear and hesitation. The now is the time to occupy, to press in to fill spaces. If you are a marketplace business owner, now is the time to take God as His Word and say, I will take what I've been given and extend for more. Do not pull back. If you are in a marketplace role and you just feel a burden because of the work you're carrying to press in for more, press in for more. Do not accept the environment around you that says hesitation and apprehension. And if I could submit to you, frustration is the answer. That it would be the heart of God to fill those spaces with His peace. And if you know anything about the peace of God, you know that the peace of God is not compromised with the world. The peace of God is everything as it should be in the will of God. And so some of us need to take serious the mandate to go into our workplaces and claim ground for God. That His goodness would flow. That His grace would flow. That just as you are blessed, those people around you are blessed. It's possible for you to be an agent of blessing. That if you're working with clients, pray for your clients whether they know Jesus or not, stand with them and believe that God will pour out His grace because what better witness there is than for people to be blessed simply because they know you. You must fill and occupy space because if you don't, the darkness will just rust in. Scripture talks about us and says, we're a city on a hill that should not be covered. You're a light that should not be covered, which implies that we can cover ourselves which implies we can allow the hesitation and the apprehension. And if I submit again, the frustration to cause us to pull back. Instead, fill the space. Not with yourself, but with the grace of God that's working through you. It's not on you to fix your workplace. It's not on you to create opportunity. It is on you to take God at His Word and say, God, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Extend, don't hold back. God challenged them. God blessed them and He said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And subdue it. You are created to conquer, not live in defeat. 1 Peter 5, 8 to 11. So get ready to bring this to a close. Be sober minded. Be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. 
Resist Him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings have been experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. To Him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know, you're created to conquer and not live in defeat. You know, the reality that the Scriptures show us is that there really is an adversary to our lives. That the devil is not just some impersonal picture of evil, this force of evil. The devil is an individual who fell in his relationship with God and is hell-bent on taking as many of us as possible to his same eternal destiny. The reality we see in the, throughout the Scriptures is that the only power this adversary has are lies and deceit. But he roams around like a roaring lion, grabbing attention, inspiring fear. Remember one time I was walking past the television while my 10-year-old Liam was watching a survival documentary. He loves watching survival documentaries. It's like his favourite thing besides Star Wars, Marvel and everything else in between. And I caught this moment with this crazy guy just being dropped off in the middle of the Sahara and he's there presented with a pack of lions and all he's got is himself and the cameraman behind him. And he's talking under his breath about what to do in this moment, like he's coaching my 10-year-old son, what to do in this moment if he's ever presented by a pack of lions or a pride of lions. In the reality and the hope that Liam never go into that environment. But at least you know now, you've been coached on what to do. The guy's standing there and he's whispering under his breath, when you're in this moment, don't ever turn away. Don't ever turn your back. Don't ever run. Because the moment you do, you're dead. He says, stand up straight. Look them in the eye, make your presence felt. There is an adversary. There is a literal being called the devil. The devil literally means the accuser. It's why sometimes you'll be driving along and these random thoughts will come into your mind that you know aren't you and they aren't God. Where do they come from? What if it's the accuser, the devil, who's sowing through the beings that He works with, the lies that would cause you to live life defeated instead of in victory. And that the more we participate with these lies, the more we're held back. And that all you need to do is to plant your feet. You don't even have to raise your fist, you just resist. Resist literally means to bring your will to bear. Resist literally means when a force is coming against you to stand your place and be immovable. And the promise of God is that in resisting, you'll have dominion. That's another thing that He created us for. You are created to rule and reign in life, in every area. If it's all available, it's on us to put it into practice. You know, Jesus made it possible for us to live life free and full and in Him. It says in John 10.10, quite in the words of Jesus Himself, He said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. You are called to enjoy life. You are called to 
Enjoy the things of God because you're created on purpose, for purpose, with purpose. You're called to be fruitful. You're called to multiply. You're called to fill spaces. You're called to conquer. You're called to rule. It's all made possible because of Jesus Himself. You know, I'm mindful in this moment that none of these words have any authority or power outside of Jesus. That even though that was God's original intent, the rest of the Genesis story goes that Satan himself came into the garden and sowed a lie. He sowed a lie that allowed Eve and Adam to participate with what the Bible calls sin, simply means missing the mark of God's goodness. And in fact, going into rebelliousness. And because of that, they fell from relationship with God. God made a promise in the garden to this serpent, this devil that had accused, that had brought a lie. And He made a promise. He says that from the seed of Eve will come one who will crush your head. And I'm mindful today that Jesus has made all this possible because that's exactly what He did. That when Jesus was born, He lived the perfect life because I can't. He lived the perfect life and He invited us to have faith in Him so that we could share in His righteousness and in His goodness. So when God looks at us, He sees the goodness of Jesus because Jesus has made that available. Then in fact, when Jesus was wrongly trialled, wrongly tortured, wrongly sentenced to death, He willingly went there for what He wanted to provide for us. And I'm mindful that Jesus carried through the city of Jerusalem the instrument of His own death, the cross. And He was led through the city of Jerusalem and out to a hill called Golgotha. And Golgotha means the place of the skull. And just as Jesus' hands and feet were nailed to that cross, that cross was driven into the place of the skull. And Jesus in His goodness crushed the authority of the enemy of our souls by His death, His burial and His resurrection. And if it's all available now, all it takes is a willingness to enter in. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.